Hey there, listeners. Thanks for stopping by to the podcast today. Please, before you're done listening to this episode, leave us a review. If you're on Spotify, you can review now, and you can also review on Apple Podcasts, but if there's any platforms that I'm forgetting about and you can leave us a review, please do so. If you're happening to watch us on YouTube, and if you don't know, you can watch these podcasts on YouTube now, uh, please like and subscribe to the channel and share the episode as well. So thanks for stopping by, everybody, and enjoy the episode. Knowledge is Power is where you come to hear people's life experiences to learn from. So without further ado, let's roll the intro. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello, and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. This is your host, Max Willett, and today we're going to be on... Uh, we're going to probably be starting a reoccurring sort of trend here. I have some other baseball-esque podcast plan in the future uh, because it's the greatest sport in the face of the planet, and I love baseball. Uh, yes, yeah, so I got a great guest on today. So if you could go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. What's up, guys? I'm Dan Sarmiento. I am 20 years old, and I live in Los Angeles, California, but I'm from uh, Exeter, New Hampshire, which I don't know. Is your audience mostly New England, or is it all over? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, so, I have, I mean, if you look at the analytics, I got listeners in India, but <laughs> lit. yeah, well, shout out Exeter, shout out New England. I'm a big New England guy. I'm, you know, born and raised there. So it's a good spot. But yeah, now I live in Los Angeles and I'm a full time uh, like content creator, I guess you'd call it in baseball. And I travel and do interviews and podcasts and go to baseball games and make YouTube videos. It's fun. Yeah, that that's uh that would be a pretty cool gig to have. Uh you know, I just going to keep saying it. Love baseball. Love what you do. Uh, I, I, I think I had seen maybe a couple of your videos beforehand, but the most recent one that I remember seeing was your tour of Yukon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been there over the summer. It's a it's an amazing facility. So you want to just go into a little bit of detail of sort of uh, your we'll start with your backstory, sort of how you got to Los Angeles and, and by the way, for everybody listening, this is the first person I'm having on the podcast that's younger than me, Let's which go. is really funny. Yeah. Shout out me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 21. Dan said he's 20. So it's just kind of kind of cool to do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so let's hear your story, sort of how you got from New Hampshire to Los Angeles. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good story, uh, I guess. It may be kind of boring for some people. So I'm, like I said, I'm from Exeter, New Hampshire. I went to Exeter High School, and then I did a post-grad year for baseball. So I played baseball through my life. And for recruiting purposes, just get another year because of COVID and stuff, I went to Bridgeton Academy, which is in Maine. It's like an all-sports school, all guys. And it was just for more recruiting purposes and, and just to reclass to a 2022 graduate um, from like high school and then get recruited there. So I shifted my focus to like Southern California is where I wanted to be. I knew because entertainment capital of the world obviously is really cool and I love making content, but the weather was big. I just kind of wanted to get out of home for a bit and live on my own. And I was kind of ready for that, I guess. Um, So I shifted my focus there. Luckily, I got looks from a school called the Zusa Pacific University, which is a middle mid tier. Well, no, middle size, but a pretty elite D2 program out here. Um, so like I, I just got looks cause I was a lefty and I threw, I didn't throw very hard, but I had off speed, whatever. And I, I was interested in them. So they were interested in me. 
then over the summer, uh, so I committed there. And then over my over the summer, my content started taking off a little bit. And I was like, man, this is just what I want to do full time. Um, like I treat it like time wise, I'm spending you know, as if it's a full time job. So I might as well just make it a full time, whatever job. I don't know if you can call it a job, but full time, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I decided not to play baseball. I went to Azusa for like the first month and a half but then i was like i hate this like this i don't like school this sucks so now i just do online school at la film school which is just like easy and it's to keep me at my i keep a foot in school but really uh now i spend my time kind of traveling making videos doing facility tours was what i started doing um and yeah tiktok instagram youtube all that so yeah cool so uh like a lot of people i feel like baseball sort of just gets introduced into their lives and then eventually as they grow it becomes, you know, a huge facet that you use just because it's just a great sport, right? So do you remember like when your passion for the sport began? Like, is there something that you can point to and say that's when it really started? Yeah, I, what something funny I remember is I always loved baseball. I was probably better at basketball when I was like younger. Like I always played, I played football, baseball, basketball, like those are my sports. And then mm -hmm. when I was 12, I hit like a growth spurt and I started to be pretty good at baseball compared to like my peers or whatever. And I was like hitting home runs and it was fun, but I didn't make the all-star team, our town's all-star team. I was like the, the the last, whatever, the one that just made it. So I was on like the B team or whatever. I remember I was so pissed and like, I was like, I felt like I got cheated. I felt like I deserved to be on it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that was a big learning experience where I was like, ah, like just cause you think you deserve something doesn't mean you're going to get it. And, you know, I didn't mm -hmm. really work very hard at baseball. I was just naturally like bigger than everyone else at that time. So like I was good. So that kind of lit like a, a little fire in my 12 year old self to like start training and start taking stuff seriously and, you know, prove to whoever that I was, you know, better than, you know, good and worth it to, to make the team and stuff. So that's when like baseball started to become more, like not more comp competitive within myself. Like I, I was more just like, I need to get better and I want to be better than my peers. Um, and then that's when baseball coincidentally started becoming a little less fun. It was more just like, this is, it's, it's exciting to do well, but it's like, it's more just like a challenge that I'm excited to, to face. So yeah, I'd say like, but I've been playing baseball since I was like four years old. Like I've, it's one of those things I've always done, but yeah, like 12, mm -hmm. 13 is when I started like ramping it up. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like I, joined a travel baseball team uh when i was like 13 years old i think um and then i joined like a really good program out of warwick rhode island shout out rhode island baseball institute uh i've had uh two people on that have coached there in the past and uh one of the founders on the podcast um but as soon as I sort of got into that mindset, you know, like I want to have a future in baseball, it, it was different. And I definitely think that that hit me at like, you know, high school, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, I didn't make the the middle school team at all. I tried out my seventh and eighth grade year, didn't make it. And it crushed me, you know, uh, but I wasn't going to let that, you know, stop me. And there was, you know, there's always kids that you dislike, always teammates that you dislike. And I and my love for the sport was just so high that I wasn't going to let that bother me. You know, you're absolutely right is like you get to a certain point in the sport where you think, all right, if I want to have a future in this, it's not just for fun anymore. You know, like I actually have to work hard and dedicate a large portion of my life to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that kind of sparked my love for like, you know, 
the social media game, you know, getting more mm. views, getting more subscribers. Oh, how does this title do versus this title and this type of video do compared to this video is comp competitive within myself. Like I want this next video to do well, what's a good idea to make this video pop like that. I think baseball is what really kind of triggered that. Like, okay, mm -hmm. like I'm going to fail. Like that, that's just like inevitable baseball teaches you how to fail. So absolutely whatever other task that I take on, like, yeah, I'm going to fail, but like that's actually how you gain the most knowledge. So that's baseball, you know, I mean, I owe everything to baseball. Yeah, I had a uh, a mental training coach on degree in psychology, really interesting guy. He's worked with world champions in kickboxing and karate on the podcast and uh, really interesting guy. And he agrees. He thinks baseball is the most mentally draining sport that exists. You know, if you if you really think about it, I mean, you fail more than than you succeed in baseball, especially when it comes to hitting, you know, a really good player has 300, you know, yep. and that's three out of 10 times. That's 30 percent of the time you get a hit. And, and and then even like you get on base less than half the time, <clears throat> you know, so it, it it's really, really a mentally draining sport. And I think when it comes to life lessons, if you really want to get deep, uh baseball teaches you the most out of any other sport. I mean, imagine if, if a quarterback had a 30%, you know, completion rating in the NFL over a season, he would, it, it wouldn't exist, you know, like he'd be gone, you know, yeah. but um, absolutely. Yeah. But so let's talk about, so I, you mentioned how you grew a dislike for college and you wanted to really focus on, on your social media and YouTube career. Yep. So Run me through that process. When did you start getting doubts? I mean, because you were playing baseball, right? And going to school. So what planted the seed for the doubt where you're like, I don't know if I want to continue doing this. Once my season ended at Bridgeton, which was like, it was early. It was like a post-grad school. So we just played other prep schools and that season mm -hmm. ends early. School was done like May 5th or something. We're super, and I didn't have to move to California until like August 20, whatever, first. Um, mm -hmm. So I had a lot of time to like do that summer to like really figure out what uh, what my plan was. So I started that summer like training for baseball and like going hard and making videos and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually just naturally my time started shifting more to, hey, what's the plan for this video? Who's going to be on the podcast next? Hey, what's how many reels can I post this week? Um, editing way more. And I just was like, I don't really care to do, you know, a hybrid B throwing day today when I could be editing this, this TikTok and have a cool idea for a video. And then my elbow started like hurting a little bit. And I was like, you know, screw this. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I just, I'm not going to, I'm going to figure it out once I get there. Like I was planning on still playing baseball, but I kind of already knew I wasn't gonna, um, I was just going all in on content. So yeah, like it was never a, a hard decision for me to be like, Oh man, got to hang up the cleats. Like for me, I was kind of just like, nah, I'm just like, this is what I want to do anyway. So like, let's just like stop beating around the bush. It was hard for my mm -hmm. parents when I was like, Hey, like, I'm not going to play baseball this year. Like, they're like, oh, we bought all the t shirts for Azusa and we're going to go to the games and visit. And I'm like, I know that like sucks. That really does. But I got to be a little selfish about this because it's like kind of my thing. Like, I got to do this. Um, so they understood eventually once I just was like, look, this is just how, how it's going to be. And then like, they're like, all right, we're, are you at least going to do school? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, sure whatever i told him yeah i moved out to california i went to like two classes and i was like this actually like accounting 101 come on now like let me i'm not that i'm like anti-education i'm actually like i love education i'm constantly learning and, and trying to grow and, and be better at whatever facet of life i'm working on but mm -hmm. uh in the school setting it was just it was a little too slow a little too i didn't like being around people who weren't as motivated as me like i just that's just i, I didn't like it it felt like 
I didn't belong. And I just, I, you know, I was just like, I just don't really, I'm more motivated to do the things that I want to do than, you know, figure out this accounting principle or whatever. So I was just like, it just, it's just, let me not waste anyone's money, anyone's time. Like I just found an apartment in a nearby city and I'm like, mom, dad, I'm just going to skirt over here real quick. And, uh, and they're like, all right, well, at least will you stay in online school? And I'm like, yeah, fine. I'll stay in online school. So I'm in LA film school online, which is like, it's fine. It's easy. Whatever. I just bang out the work in like 20 minutes and super fine. But yeah, like for me, man, uh, you know, I'm young, so like this opinion could change, but like I'm under the, I don't know, opinion that you are going to learn a lot more from doing than hearing and then like, you know, memorizing, right. You're going to like, I'm going to actually learn a lot more about building a business from building a business, not from learning how to, how someone else built a business. Yeah. Like that, they can coincide and they, I can, you know, I can do both at the same time, but like, I need to actually do the thing to learn how to do the thing. Uh, in my opinion, that's, I know it's like a broad thing for me. It's like, I want to build a media company. I want to build a personal brand in, in social media. So I need to do that. I, I can't just like take notes on how other people did it. Um, I, I need to do them simultaneously. So that's, that's how I thought, you know, made the most sense for me just to like be all in. If I'm going to do something, let's do it something. Let's not just go half-ass. So yeah, very well said. Uh, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, yeah, it's like it, there's nothing better than being your own boss and making your own schedule and, and and doing your own thing and not like like I don't dread getting up in the morning and going to my office and, and getting stuff done. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I know a lot of people that were like, man, I just did not want to get up today and go to work and do the same thing over and over and over again. And then not only is it the same thing, I really hate it. You yeah. know what I it's mean? Like, then it's like, why are you working? It's like, well, to make money, I have to. It's like, there's other better ways to make money. Like mm -hmm. there's everyone has a skill that can be monetized probably more than what, definitely more than a nine to five job will pay. Like I started, once I started realizing leverage is your best friend, not just spending hours on a task, like, I mean, it's different for everyone. Like I live in a town called Pomona and it's very working class and like people got to get up at 6am and there's a lot of immigrants and a lot of people who just aren't from great backgrounds financially. Mm -hmm. So like, but luckily I'm from an, I'm from an amazing place in Exeter, New Hampshire. And like my family could afford to send me to California to go to school. So like, instead of just like sitting on my ass and just being like, I don't want to be here, but my parents said I have to, I'm going to use the resources that I have to make a better life for me and everyone around me versus like, in my opinion, being selfish and wasting someone's money and time by just half-assing school and stuff. So for me, it just made the most sense. Like I'm given this opportunity of like, I'm not worried. Like if I, my bank account is empty, my mom would be like, Hey, she'll give me a hundred bucks to cover groceries. Like if that really had to, ha like, I don't want to do that. But if that hypothetically, if I was at, you know, rock bottom, I wouldn't even be able to get to rock bottom because my parents wouldn't let me happen. So with that mm -hmm. cushion, I'm like, okay, let me try to do something that benefits everyone around me way more than just like being selfish and doing stuff for myself, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, it's always good to have a good backing. And and like, I had a friend in high school who was going to go to college and his parents were just going to pay for it. He was gonna, wasn't going to be in debt. And it's like, part of me like hated him for it, but part of me is like, you can't blame him for it. You know, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't his fault. You know what I mean? So like, it's always good to have a good backing when it comes to that. But um, yeah. So next I want to get into your YouTube channel, really interesting content. So, so let's start, you know, what made you want to, I mean, it seems like the most reoccurring videos, the baseball tours, right? I mean, that's what you post a lot about, but, but talk about your inspiration behind the channel and, and content creation. 
Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing YouTube. I mean, if you look at the channel, it'll say like it started in like April, 2014. So like that was when I think I was 11. So like mm -hmm. I've been doing the YouTube, whatever for a really long time. Yeah. Um, what that, what that meant then was like taking videos of my cat and posting it or like me dunking <laughs> on a mini basketball hoop and stuff. And eventually yep. kind of, I learned how to do like gaming videos and I, I liked watching like Madden mobile and stuff. So I started doing Madden mobile got like a couple thousand subscribers when I was like 14, 15. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Then I just kind of got burned down or burnt out or just didn't want to do it had other stuff going on as 15 year olds do and then mm -hmm. covid hits you know like march 16th you know that monday that monday after every, the shit hit the fan and i'm like ah what do i do like i got three weeks off little did we know but i was like oh three weeks off i was like oh let me revive my youtube channel and start doing baseball stuff because i was on my road to 90 miles an hour so that's what I started doing. I just took my Instagram from my Mad Mobile, which had like 300 followers, turned it into Disarm Baseball or whatever. And then YouTube changed just to Disarm. I think it's just what it is today. I think it might have stayed the same. But then I posted like, you know, long toss vlogs and Road to 90 and Velo Day and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that kind of started slowly building into like a, the niche community of like pitching development in baseball. Slowly, you know, I did like the game day vlogs. Okay, that's a little broader. Then I did a podcast, which we could do even broader topics. And now I'm trying to hit all things baseball news and culture is like my whatever my shtick i've started saying but yeah pretty much it's, it's about like tying in the culture of baseball instead of just like i don't know being very i want it to be like more broad like a baseball fans hub versus like you know just a, a red Sox fan page you know what i mean like i wanted to be mm -hmm. like this baseball more hit a broader audience and hopefully bring people who aren't baseball fans into baseball and maybe say hey look baseball players like d1 players get these dope facilities and this baseball player has a cool story and there it's more than just like whatever is on the field i don't know it's a deep way of me saying that i, I make youtube videos and then i do TikToks. no i mean there has to be inspiration behind it you know the the videos don't just appear out of nowhere you know there's a lot of of work that goes into them i make some pretty crappy videos on my personal channel but i try you know i, I i'm not good at editing when it comes like you you edit these videos and i'm like that's really good stuff i dread exactly. editing and i and i hate it <laughs> editing fires me up in the weirdest way like i just go i like you know when you like you're going to the gym and you're like dude i don't want to do this today for me it's like i don't want to do this then it's like let me drink some caffeine and just like lock in and i just gotta like lock in and get the timeline chop 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 whatever and then once you get in the flow of it it's like fine but yeah, yeah. editing sucks like i'm doing a I think I have like so many videos to edit from Florida and they're all just on this hard drive right here. It's like two terabytes and it's like almost full of just footage. And I'm like, damn, this thing, this is a lot of hours of my time that are going to go into this, but it's the, the other end's pretty cool where it's like you get people, you know, viewing and subscribing and stuff. So it's worth mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you know, the the I think the college tours are really interesting to me, you know, because that's that's a really interesting opportunity to to be able to travel across the country and go to Miami and Yukon. And I'm looking at your channel right now, you know, Boston College. So what sort of sparked the idea for you to start doing those videos? Um, <clears throat> dude, I always when I was getting recruited, like when I was 15 or not even getting recruited, when I was looking to play college baseball, I started, you know, everyone did research like um ucla facilities and it was always like kind of hard to find pictures uh, uh like on google or like definitely not videos so like that's always kind of that was like kind of planted the seed in my head then uh my buddy and i i love like destroying his stuff is super cool where he does like football facility tours like at like oregon ucla stuff and i was like dude you know my a big a big person i've, I've looked up at is like i want to be like destroying but for baseball you know destroying donald delahaye he, i don't think uh, so you no. know his face so he i'll, I'll 
I'll pull him up real quick. I mean, people listening might know him. Let me do it real quick just to give some context. Destroying. This is him right here. He's got like 5 million subscribers. Okay. Football guy. He's done stuff yeah. with NFL. Whatever. You'd probably know his face. Anyway, he, he's great for football culture as a whole. He does like, he did a facility tour at Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing with Leonard Fournette. Like that was sick. So he's mm-hmm. been kind of an inspiration. So I'm kind of mimicking what he does just in my own spin in baseball, in the baseball world. So that was the big inspiration. Started at San Diego State, San Diego. And once we started building more credibility as like, I'm someone who does this, then it's like been a little easier to work with the ops department and, and get collab posts and get access and gear and giveaways and stuff. So it's like, now it's like, I'm, a, I'm feeling like I'm getting established as someone who does facility tours. We want, if we want to showcase our facility, hopefully they can work with me and we can figure it out. Um, so yeah, that's, it's a really, it's like a unique opportunity. Like you said, like no one's really done that and i'm just going to literally mm. do as many as i can and just build a big found hopefully a big foundation of like tar- like my target audience which is like 14 to 20 year old baseball fans and players which you know they're all they all want to watch that kind of stuff so i'm just going to keep running with it absolutely what's the most impressive facility you've been to so far dude yukon i think yukon yeah yukon was amazing bc was cool i think the bc title says like 200 million but like it wasn't just baseball that was 200 mil it was like the the dome for football and baseball was and then like the softball part too uconn was like legit 50 mil just into baseball so like it was dope dude i mean their facilities were great their locker room was good it wasn't like the best locker room but like overall it was probably the one that blew me away the most i was like excited i was like giddy like walking around i'm like this is sick like i love this um miami was a big one for me that was exciting not that because their facilities are good it's like more historic and like a fenway park type feel versus like a an oracle or whatever like something like historic and worn in but like cool um and I'm, i've been a miami fan since i was growing up like my dad's from miami so that was like kind of special for me um mm-hmm. and we worked with them really like we did some collaborative posts and stuff and their, their guys were awesome and really down for it uh arizona state was probably one of the nicest too um i kind of wish i could go back there and not refilm it but like my videos have gotten a lot better in the last like three months just quality wise and now we know how to make a good video so like now when we head to schools like Oregon and Vanderbilt and these Texas, these big hitters, like we kind of have the system down and we know how to make a, a sick video um, before the first like five episodes, just figuring out how the format's going to work. But now I think I got it down. Now we just got to run with it. But yeah, UConn, ASU, uh, Miami, probably top three. Yeah. I was lucky enough to go to UConn this summer or last summer uh, for the team that I coached. And uh, it was an amazing facility, the dugouts, the field and we were able to go into like where the batting cages were they might have done a tour if they did i wasn't with the team i doubt that they did because i didn't go into the locker room but i remember seeing recently a video of somebody on the on the university of rhode island baseball team uh did a tour of their facility yeah (laughs) and uh their locker room was like smaller than the dugouts uh, no, it sucks, man. It sucks and... when the schools are kind of behind like and those yeah. are schools they're competing against each other so it's like if you're a kid from rhode island and it's like uconn or uri and they're offering you the same package i think we know where you're going to want to go like, absolutely and 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 uconn and uri aren't in the same division i don't think so but they do scrimmage each other mm-hmm. and i went and watched last year uh a few of the games and uh URI held their own. I mean, there was one game where they got blown away, you know, like one of the kids hit, there was like a grand slam and, you know, they got 
their butt kicks kicked but like uh it, one of the other games they held their own and it, it's all pitching at that level i mean it's, it's all pitching depth. yeah the depth of pitching that's really what it comes yeah. down to like a lot any a lot of schools can get like a top level arm it's like 95 i mean obviously it's going to be different in tennessee versus uri but like once you get to like your five six seven guys in the pen it's like it's it's leagues different when you get to mm-hmm. those level schools yeah yeah and when you get to like the big leagues level and, I, and i'm curious to hear your opinion on this like you i definitely would agree that you want to strengthen your your offensive lineup over pitching right because pitching already has the edge you know <clears throat> like hitting is difficult even if it's against a lower tier pitcher in the major leagues it's still difficult to do so to to strengthen an offense in the big leagues i think it makes a lot more sense you know what i mean than yeah. it does to have a, a great offense in the college level do you agree with that i'm yeah. I mean, it's also more fun too. Like if I was a GM, I would like go so heavy on hitting just cause it's yeah. like, you want to score runs. You want to sell tickets. You want to hit home runs. You want to have big names who are hitting bombs and going on sports center. Pitching's mm-hmm. cool. Like it's, it's pitching probably wins games, but like, you know, it's like the whole, uh, you know, football thing where it's like offense sells tickets, defense wins games. Like you want to have, or wins super bowls or something, but you want to have both obviously ideally, but like a GM's job is to like, you know, win games and, and get fans and seats. So it's like, you know, it's like in basketball when if you have the option to draft like, you know, LaMelo ball uh, in the top three or like, you know, and, and I forget who the other guy who went for, but like you want to get LaMelo ball, not maybe not, maybe they're similar play styles or whatever, but like you, you're Charlotte Hornets. It's a small market team. You want to sell tickets. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it kind of translates uh, offense. I'm a big offense guy, but like, obviously I'm a, a pitching fan, but you know, it, it is what it is. The game, it's the game today. Yeah, pitching, I mean, baseball is all about, you know, a mental state and uh, definitely on the hitting side, but uh, pitching isn't easy either. You know, like it's a huge strain on your body, especially your arm. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, softball pitching is a more natural motion, right? (laughs) It's underhand. It's a lot easier. You'll have, you'll have pitchers in high school that just start every game and in, in softball every game every game you do not see a girl read a girl go 17 and 0 in high school as a pitcher the team went 17 and 0 she went 17 and 0 she hit third had like 12 dingers it was crazy yeah it's crazy like that does not happen in baseball if that happens in baseball the coach is an idiot and the parents are idiots for not taking their kid out because he is never going to pitch another day in their life because their arm would just be absolutely wrecked like, <laughs> yeah sometimes i still wake up with like elbow pain and i'm like damn it like ah i thought i, yeah. I was done with this but yeah yeah i mean i was lucky i just played first base you know i hit i was okay i mean i never i i tried pitching sucked at it you know <laughs> lucky, yeah. yeah. i remember i remember one game way back you know when i was i think it was like my second year with one of my with my second aau team and uh my coach just threw me on the on the bump just to see and i i i did good against the first kid i can't remember what happened but then the next kid came up and he just hit absolute i mean we were 14 15 years old so like we weren't hitting home runs and we were on the big field but the kid hit the fence and i was like <laughs> <laughs> like okay, yeah no yeah a, a 58 mile an hour change up over the plate isn't gonna do it for me <laughs> right right <laughs> um but i'm curious to hear you know let's go back to your your high school 
to so so this this extra year of eligibility it wasn't was it really a college up in maine or like what explain how that that works a little bit yeah good question because people out here when i started telling them i did a post-grad year they're like what what does that mean so yeah. in new england we were more familiar with it so it's like there's a lot of really good prep schools a lot of really good like phillips Andover, phillips exeter millions of milton uh you know so many schools Tabor, like all those schools in rhode island connecticut mass uh new hampshire maine whatever so yeah, Bridgeton Academy is a it's a prep school. We played other prep schools like we played Andover, we played Exeter, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's one year. So you only go there as a postgrad. So once you graduate high school, you go to the school for one year, all athletes, all guys. Um, and it's so it's meant so like you don't use any of your college eligibility. So it's like in their eyes, it's like taking a gap year, but really you're developing a lot of guys use it for academics. We had a lot of kids, you know, from the inner city or whatever, who needed better grades, needed to, you know, get recruited by schools up in Maine. Cause they're from like New York or whatever. It's hard, very, you know, it's a lot of talent over there. So, you know, we have a great football team. We had a great football team, great basketball team, great baseball team, football, basketball. were really good. Like a lot of power five guys. Um, yeah. It's like 200, not even 200 kids up in Bridgeton, Maine, which is like Northwest Maine like two and a half hours from Exeter. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was, it sucked, but like, I loved it at the same time, you know, like we, mm-hmm. uh, it was like, they kind of babysat us a little bit. Cause a lot of the guys are like there cause they were not the best students in high school. So like we couldn't leave until Friday afternoon. So like I had my car on campus, but like, if I wanted to go into town on a Wednesday, I'd have to call coach Atwood and be like, coach, can you grab me to McDonald's? I'm hungry or whatever. And he'd have to figure it out. Or we go like do a laundry trip. But I was lucky every Friday afternoon, I would like go back home to Exeter for like two and a half days and then come back up for Sunday night study hall. So we'd study hall every night, big emphasis on academics, big emphasis on developing. It was amazing, man. It's kind of like a Juco year in a sense where like guys go Juco, but it's one year a little different, probably more expensive than Juco was. And then, yeah, but like overall, I think it was worth it. And, you know, a lot of guys need that extra year. Like you get to reclass to be a 20, whatever the next younger year. So puts you in a different field and it was, it was a great experience. I recommend it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and, all right. So we're going to, we're going to flip back to the channel and I was watching your interview with Eric Sim, Uh, uh, really interesting you know, situation they got going over there at Momentum. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Momentum is sort of like, I mean, you can probably explain it better, but it's its its a YouTube channel. It's a media company right now focusing on baseball, trying to do the same thing you're doing, trying to get more people involved, trying to make the sport more interesting and more fun for people that are sort of hesitant uh, because it is a chess match. It's not, you know, fast paced like basketball or football, uh, which I sort of appreciate you know, to each their own. I like that it's slower and there's more, you know, the, the, the steps that you take to win the baseball game aren't just go, go, go. You have to think about it. It's more of a chess match. Um, so, and you guys were talking about the current state of baseball and this is where I disagree slightly with a lot of kids our age. I enjoy the bat flipping. I enjoy the showboating to a certain degree. Right. I I think that if you're in the middle of June and it's a game that's meaningless and you're showboating against the Kansas City Royals and you're just being a jerk to the other pitcher, like I think that that's sort of ridiculous. You know what I mean? But in big time games, in the playoffs, in 
Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants games, things like that, where there's always a lot of weight on the games, even if one team's significantly better than the other, you know, just the fan base. I think there's a place, you know, like, like when Carlos Correa in the playoffs against the Red Sox in 21 tapped on his watch and said, it's my time. It's my time sort of thing. I hate Carlos Correa, but, (laughs) um, I think that was great. I mean, it, it was, was fun dope. to watch. It was. Yeah. And like, I sort of, I want to hear your take on that. You know, that's sort of what I think, but let's hear what you think. Cause you guys were, were very much in, so not really the other end, but you know, different opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sim is a big, he just like, doesn't care. Like he's just like, yeah. uh, whatever, you know, we all know Eric Sim or if you're in baseball world, you know who he is Yeah. for me. Um, I don't know. I go back and forth because it's like, it, you don't you don't ever want people to get into like fights in hockey or baseball or football but when they do they make national headlines and people are talking about it for two three days mm-hmm. and a little uptick so you know it's like pros and cons to that what you really want to do is like i think build a stronger culture so it's like in soccer uh in europe and in south america it's like those games are like kind of boring from an outside perspective. Like they're two, three goals, uh, you know, but when they happen, it's big time moments and people are going mm-hmm. getting fired up and whatever. So baseball is similar, like baseball is slow and it takes a while to develop, but when it does, it should be like, boom, 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 let's go. We did it. Like whatever. It's an exciting moment. So I think, you know, uh, I think celebrating, I think more celebration should be encouraged uh, in the sense where it's like it builds culture within and more excitement within the fan base, right? So it's like if our players pumped up that he, you know, took a, uh, you know, a, you know, go ahead home run in the sixth inning and it's a big off a big a good pitcher or whatever, and he wants to get fired up, it's like, oh, then the, it kind of gives the fans permission to get fired up in my eyes. Mm. Whereas if it's like they're telling him like, dude, you can't bat flip, like we're, you know, it's it's a meaningless game, which I totally get that side, but at the same time, it kind of tells the the fan base to kind of stand down like oh this game doesn't really matter we shouldn't really care whereas like i think that i think the the fans are mimic the players reactions in the best way it's like if the player hits a home run he goes crazy the fans are going to get fired up player right. hits a home run he's pretty you know it's, it's there's levels to it you know like i said pros and cons i think that i don't think that there's a like a systemic or like a i don't think there's a problem with like the rules like i don't think the pitch clock is going to do much. I don't, I really, I don't like, I really don't. I think there's more yeah. of a cultural problem. Like there's a reason baseball was insanely fun in the nineties uh, without a pitch clock. Right. Cause like, look, maybe it'll help kids have shorter attention spans, but it's like, you know, kids were still kids in the nineties and like kids had other things, other priorities, other things I wanted to focus on. I, I I'm all for trying new things. Like let's see if a juiced ball works let's see if a pitch clock works but it's like if we can get some like quantitative data and be like oh this was better for baseball boom let's do it but for me it's more like how do we build a stronger culture within fan bases and how do we get more excitement in those meaningless games because like that's mm-hmm. like 90 percent of the season is meaningless games so i don't know it's it's a tough topic i don't know yeah no so all right so you touched on a couple points there so all right if if there is you know all right you can bat flip whenever you want right let's say that all right I don't know in hockey, like do do players get suspended just for because there's fights all the time, right? Hockey players they don't really get suspended for games, right? When they get in fights, uh, I mean, I guess it, I kind of depends on the severity. I think like they have the penalty yeah. box, which in and of itself is like kind of sick. Like, but it's during box. the game, it's right? It's the not game. like I don't know. It's not like they get suspended. 
yeah. X amount of games That's after. It's like an experiential thing during the game. Like, oh, they're getting a yeah. play to hold the penalty box. The other team's fans right. are like knocking on the glass, chirping them. Right. That's sick to me. Hockey has an amazing culture. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's not, not for for baseball. Baseball has like a broad audience. Like a lot of people are familiar with baseball. Hockey's smaller, but way stronger. The culture is like so, so strong in every fan base. Like even like Tampa Bay, like you don't think of Absolutely. Tampa Florida as a place that has a strong hockey culture. They're one of the, like the best fan bases. So mm. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So my point is, is like, all right, if you're going to bat flip retaliation should be allowed. I right. Agree. And players I shouldn't get suspended. If you bat flip after you hit a home run and then the next at bat, you come up and you get beamed in the ribs. The pitcher shouldn't get ejected, and and like I think they should be able to re- retaliate. You know, yeah. to a certain extent. If everybody's getting hit, everybody's getting pissed, and things are happening, then players should get ejected. But if you're gonna if you're gonna say you can bat flip whenever it goes both ways, I think it's a, I think it's equally as insulting. Obviously, you're getting a ball hurled at you, and you might yeah. get a bruise in the ribs, you know. But like if they're starting to throw at your head or something, that's wrong, and that's where it gets life threatening, you know. Um, but like, and then when we talk about the pitch clocks, right? Baseball, uh, theoretically and actually, is a timeless sport. It's been around for i don't know when the bigs were created late 1800s right and there's no clock football soccer hockey every other sport except for uh baseball and softball have a clock and it's timed you've seen baseball games go 18 innings like in the world series with the red sox and the dodgers in in 2018 right and they went on forever and i think that's a pretty great characteristic about the sport is that it's not timed that was sick to me it's like tennis dude yeah going to like 3 a.m and it's exactly like, and i i hate the idea of a pitch clock i think it takes a lot of the sort of mental game between the pitcher and the hitter out right so i mean you know you pitched right and i hit part of the the system is like you know trying to mess up the pitcher getting into a groove, right? Taking your time as a batter. Like that's huge. Sure. It slows the game down, but when you're playing the game, like that's a huge strategy. Right. And I think it, it disadvantages the hitters more than anything because it will allow, I mean, when pitchers start to go and then, and then is there a penalty on the batter if they're not ready? I, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? So uh, like yeah. if, if they're not getting in the batter's box, like what? Cause I, this is where the rules like these new rules getting introduced you know what i mean starts to get ridiculous i think it's also a cultural thing with baseball where it's like uh players are more like i think are are taking first pitch strikes more nowadays they're they're going deeper Mm -hmm. into bats because they know like that actually gives them an advantage to run a pitcher's pitch count up take it deeper into a bats like you're never going to see a pitcher like greg maddox who had that 76 pitch whatever complete game that's never going to happen again because like no. hitters aren't going to let that happen they're going to try to you know run deep into counts and not see more pitches see more pitches so like that makes baseball longer so i think maybe it's cutting into the the tv timeouts and maybe it's like you know cutting 30 seconds off every time i don't know i don't know mm. what it is but like yeah i think it just comes down to like we i think a baseball game could be three and a half hours and still be pretty lit like if it's if it's a cool ending um you know if we make it a special game like every like almost everyone at the dodgers red sox game stayed to the end of it 18 minutes well maybe not everyone but a lot of people were engaged with that game 
more so than a meaningless regular season game because the stakes were higher. It was mm-hmm. I was up till three to thirty. I watched the whole that. game. Yeah. yeah, I I I went to bed at the sixteenth inning because I had to get up to go to work in the morning, and I was pissed. I'm like two more innings. I was pissed, and that like what Nathan Avaldi did. I mean, I'm assuming you're a Red Sox fan, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like what Nathan Avaldi did that game was incredible, and and a lot of people uh, forget about. I mean, on the Dodger side, Walker Bueller's performance it sort of overshadows like the, just the length of the game order overshadows like how good he was. Like that was, that was just an overall, like you saw everything in that game. You saw really good pitching. You saw great ABs. You saw errors in the field and Ian Kinsler throwing that ball away, which allowed the Dodgers Yasiel Puig to score or, or he hit the ground ball or something. And he was acting like it was the greatest thing ever when he just hit a dribbler to second base and <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a legendary game. I, I definitely won't forget that game. And then there was another game I went to at Fenway Park of Red Sox Yankees. And it was uh, Herman. What was the guy's first name? Like Domingo Herman. He's yeah, a pitcher yeah. on the Yankees, right? And he had had those sort of iffy things going on. And he was, and he had just came back and he had a no hitter going into the seventh inning. This was 2021 during the summer and it was in July. And then the Red Sox ended up coming back to, to win the game. They were losing like four to nothing and they were getting no hit into the seventh inning. And I had brought my friend who like hated baseball. He only wanted to go. And I'm, if he ever listens to this podcast and I highly doubt it, he just wanted to go. Cause this girl that he liked really loved baseball. And he's like, I got to take her to a Fenway game, Max. You got to help me out. And I'm like, all right, man, let's do it. Let's go. And then the girl ended up not even going. And then he was just mad. (laughs) But he's like, you know what? I actually really enjoyed that. You know, we were sitting in the bleachers in Fenway. You had the drunk Irish guy screaming and yelling in the stands and stuff. And we're right near the bullpen. And it was just like a great experience, you know? Mm Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I want to get, all right, let's get back to you and, and, and your story and whatnot, but, uh, I want to talk about sort of your goals for your, your social media channel and, and, and like, what's your goal in 2023? What do you want to get accomplish by the end of this year? Yeah. My thing is I, I want to be the biggest creator in baseball. So like, that's kind of a broad term, but it's like, mm-hmm. that's just kind of my, my North star. Maybe. I don't know if I'd call it that, but that, that's just kind of like what I'm, if I had, if I had a saying, see my apartment's very empty, but if I had a saying on the wall, like it would say biggest creator in baseball, something like that to see every day, know what I'm working towards, but um, more like quantitatively, I don't know. I don't really do. Um, I don't really do like actual objective, really like number goals anymore. Like, mm-hmm. The, you know, it's, if I could say, I could say, Oh, I want to hit a hundred thousand subscribers this year, but it's like, that's, that's not really specific. Like it's very specific, but it's like, what am I going to do today to lead to a hundred thousand subscribers? So like, I think it's good to have like those, you know, a lot of things I've learned from talking to like really cool, successful people is like, they are more worried about like their day-to-day week to week than their year to year, because like you've heard the saying where it's like people underestimate or they overestimate what they could do in six months, but underestimate underestimate what they could do in six years or whatever. So, you know, that's kind of my idea where it's like, I just want to post two really high quality YouTube videos every week, do clips every day or yeah, pretty much every day. And then just make each video better than the last and mm-hmm. like better idea, better quality, whatever that means. 
and then just keep scaling up from there and, and do some cool, like innovative stuff in baseball that people didn't even know that they, that was like, a like, I don't know why I never, no one ever thought of doing D1 facility tours. I, if I, if someone did that, I would have been all over it watching it like through two, three years ago. Um, so hopefully I can keep doing cool stuff like that, but bigger and better. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk about sort of your, the process and building your channel. You know, obviously you said you were just a college kid that moved out to LA and then you ended up getting in contact with Eric Sim and momentum and standing right next to Trevor Bauer, which is amazing. He is, I mean, he went through a lot. He is still my favorite pitcher in the major leagues. You know, what went, what he went through was unfair and what the major leagues did to him was unfair. And if anybody wants to call me out on that, go right ahead. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was, I bought his merch and I still wear it. And, and I, I love his content and what he's doing for the game as well. Uh, but how did you sort of get to that point in your YouTube career, you know, where you were able to contact these people and set something up and go to tour their facility? Yeah. I'm big on like building a, a really strong network and like just making mm-hmm. friends with people and, you know, just like learning. I, I like asking questions and, Hey, what do you do? What, what, you know, Oh, you're friends with him. That's cool. I know him, whatever. Finding connections. Baseball is like very, you know, baseball is a very small world. Once you get down to it and like meet someone like, Oh, you know him, you're from there, whatever. Um, so yeah, I just made like some connections and eventually Sim may, may have saw my content or something. I don't remember exactly how it came about, but I remember I was super nervous to go in there. I was like, man, and I ripped some smelling salts and like, I literally thought I got punched in the mouth. It like actually hurt. It was just like, it was my first time ever doing salts. I've never been a salts guy and I went way too deep on it, but that kind of woke me up and I was like, all right whatever it's like i'm just trying not to die right now so that kind of was cool and that was cool i did a podcast with him the clips did really well uh it was a great learning experience i didn't meet trevor then but i met trevor the next month we went i've been down there like three times um I lo- i'm a big fan of tosh and cole they, they do really awesome stuff down there president and then uh, mm-hmm. cole as a content creator down there um yeah dude they're, they're what they're doing for baseball is like what you know innovative i think innovative is the best way to put it where it's like they they're doing more like you know the gamification and like experience like the mr b style stuff or like making baseball the game look cool and that's so dope and like for me it's more like showing the culture of baseball is really cool so like we go like hand in hand making content i think and we have very similar uh fan bases and they're obviously way bigger but i mean i look up to them and to kind of mimic what i can do and and the kind of barriers that they broke through i think i can i can go through those too because of them so they're awesome man they're really cool people and yeah i, I think it's uh, what they're doing is awesome would you, yeah. So would you say what you're trying to build in your channel as well is, is similar to what they're doing or how do you plan on, and, and how do you plan on differentiating yourself sort of from them as well to sort of have uh, original content, if you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, so, I see what you're saying. Yeah. My thing is, I don't know. My, my thing is more like, I look at myself as like a host or like a, someone who's going to like be the bridge between the viewer and the experience or whatever, like the yeah. person I'm talking to or the place that I'm at or the event that I host, I did like a home run derby, the event, like I want to be like the bridge between that, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in the way that like Sim is more like, he is the experience, he's the thing, what he's doing is the event. And so that's like, it, it differs. And it's also, there's a lot of opportunities for collaboration. So like, that's super cool. And and if someone like works with them and like is down to make content, I know that I could probably work with them too. And they're probably totally on board with like wanting to make some content with me. So like, I'm, I talk to Sim, I talk to Tosh and Cole all the time, bouncing ideas. We're all just going towards the same goal. So like, it's going to be exciting to see where we're all at in like three to five years when stuff, you know, hopefully takes off even more. 
Yeah, absolutely. What what do you think is the biggest thing you learned from sort of being around them and 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 and, ter- and touring there, the Momentum facility? Like, what when you walked away from that, what did you learn and said, "All right, this is what I'm going to do to help improve my content." Yeah, I mean, a big thing for me was I was just like very motivated and very like, yeah. oh, they did it. Like, they started from whatever they started from. I'm no different from them at 20 years old. Like, whatever. Like, I'm. They were just very very positive and very um, supportive of like what I'm doing and like what my goals were. And they're like, no, you can do it. You're definitely going to do it. Just keep working, keep going. So for me, it was more like, oh, this is sweet. Like maybe I, I can belong in this world and, and do that stuff. And then now it's like they're kind of shifted more to like peers and people that I can talk to and ask for advice on different things. And, and there, there's not many people in the content space in general, like people who you can, especially baseball content. So it's like to have that double where it's like they're, they're full-time content people and full-time baseball content people. Like they're, you know, one of my first people I'll go to call if I have something come up that I need to ask about or need a connection or whatever. Um, so yeah, they're, the biggest thing I learned though, was like having the community is really important. Building those people around you to help push your, your vision forward is, is important. You can't do it solo. Sim doesn't do it solo. He takes, he does a lot of work. He works very hard, but like his people around him push him to even the next level. So like, I'm trying to do the same thing uh, with me and my little team. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, man, it's been great talking to you because I hear a lot about, you know, the older generations talking crap about kids our age. Mm -hmm. And while it's a fact that there's a lot of people that don't want to work that are in their early twenties and, you know, it was, it was great talking to you and, and hearing you, you know, talk about your channel and, and your visions. And, uh, I can relate to a lot of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very smart for 20 years old. I can tell, I think, I think you're going to be very successful. So thank you very much. I mean, I've had a great conversation with you, dude. Thanks. I love seeing people our age, like being entrepreneurs and doing stuff and and kind of, you know, morphing their life into what they choose instead of just going with the flow and, and letting the stream take them. You're kind of swimming again, <clears throat> swimming against what's the, against the current. Like that's what you're doing. So yeah, I absolutely that. And that's what I, I'd like to think I do the same. So dude, if you need anything, let me know, hit me up. We're in this very similar world. So like you need to connect if you need a idea, we need whatever, let me, let me know. You have my email. I can give you my number too. So just hit me up, dude. Let's uh, let's stay in touch. Absolutely. So we're not done yet. I have one final question for you. Let's go. And since you are younger than me, I, I'm very curious to hear your answer to this question. Uh, you know, if you were to leave one piece of advice to the listeners, what would that piece of advice be? It could be about, you know, your channel, business life, whatever you want it to be. What would it you know, be? My thing is kind of, it's two things. It's like, you can do it like genuinely, like not just like you can do it, but it's like, I was a 16 year old kid who wanted to be, make a following on YouTube. And like, I was actually that kid who wanted to like watch, I was watching these people and like, man, I want to do that. Oh, it's so far away. It's not that far away. If you just like Mm -hmm. keep working, keep putting your foot in front of the next and learning every single day. And like, just having that obsession with like getting better and being hyper-focused on like okay, this is what I want. This is how I'm going to get better at it or how I, maybe you don't even know how to get better at it, but you're just going to try new things every day. It's just, I see a lot of people who are our age who are like motivated until things get a little hard. And then they kind of go right back to like 
I'm just gonna stick in school. Oh, my my parents want me to do this. I'm gonna do this. Oh, I'm gonna my job as a electrician is whatever. It's fine. It's it, it's I don't I don't like that. Like fine if you if you love what you're doing. That's if you like what you're doing. That's great. But I I strive to like love what I'm doing and like be really excited about what I'm doing. So it's like yeah, you know, going to school offers great opportunities and being in college is is awesome for mm-hmm. some people. But uh, for me personally, it's more just like I need to be around other people who are are like minded and it's a small group, but it's like very strong group. And um, yeah, just, I just keep trying to learn and talk to people like you every day and, and just like keep, keep working at whatever you want to do. Just like, don't stop. Like, con- like just having that continuous, um, you know, iteration, I guess, is like, just keep doing it over and over again. Naturally, you're just going to get a lot better. So yeah, that's, that, that might've just been me rambling, but yeah, that's my advice. No way. No way. I, I totally agree. And as one of my, my business idols, Steve Jobs said, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Right. Yep. So absolutely. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I, like I said, been a great conversation. And for all of you that want to get content weeks in advance, you can subscribe on Patreon, right? For as little as $3 a month, this so... episode's being posted uh, being posted in a few weeks. It's being recorded on 1-26. I think it'll be posted the second or third week of February, trying to build up content. So for those of you that not only want to get early access to content, but want to support the podcast as well, go subscribe on Patreon, make sure to follow on Instagram as well. And I will put Dan's YouTube channel in the description of the podcast. Uh, So definitely go check it out. A lot of great content over there, especially if you love baseball. And, and like I said earlier, just from an editing aspect, a lot of great stuff in there. So thanks again, Dan, for coming on. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I love it. You're a great host. You got like, sometimes it takes me multiple tries to be like, all right, guys, today we're at this and I'll stutter and I'll be like, God, I got to restart. And like, there's someone in front of me I'm talking to and I'm like, ah, damn. But uh, you know, you're great, dude. Keep it up. Let me know if you need anything for real. Thanks. We'll do. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you in the next one.